Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. On purpose, teach fifth through eighth graders how to play string instruments. Um, so there you go. Um, also, in my mind at this point, all of you are 12 because that's who I. That's like the average age of the people who I usually talk to um, in in this type of setting. So how how did I get here? Short story, a little bit funny, at least at least in my perspective. Um, so I'm sitting in my office one morning during my prep hour, and I get a phone call from Travis, which is not common. Um, so I answer the phone and I'm thinking, oh no, like, is there, I don't, I have, I have no concept of what was going on right now. And he says, hey, Tina and I are going to go visit Jacob over Mother's Day weekend and would you be willing to preach? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> no pressure, right? Like Mother's Day, Easter, Christmas, Mother's Day. It's like the big three. So, you know, no pressure. Never taught on a Sunday morning before. I've taught plenty of places, uh, plenty of things to plenty of people, but this is my first time doing this kind of situation. So, welcome. Yeah. Um, so, you know, no pressure, but it's fine because we'll be all right. Um, and so, as, as I was getting ready to, to give this message, like, I thought, okay, well, what if I, you know, if I start with a title, then I'll be able to kind of focus what I'm going to say and figure all of that stuff out from there. Um, and I was like, well, you know, my, my oldest is nine and a half, so I don't have a lot of, you know, sage wisdom about raising kids because mine are still midway. So we'll see uh, how, how all that ends up. Um, but, you know, sometimes motherhood is a mess and there's, you know, the house is a mess because the kids are a mess and, you know, you can't, it's, it's all just, you know, a, a little bit of a disaster in some way, kind of all the time. Um, and you get, you know, the kitchen cleaned and then the living room's a disaster. And so you clean up the living room and then who knows what happens in the bedrooms or the bathroom or whatever. Um, so I was like, okay, messy motherhood, that'll be good. Yeah, we can, we can relate to that. And since, you know, again, we're not here to hear the things that I think about, uh, motherhood or, or being a parent. Um, let's, okay, I'm going to open up my concordance and I'm going to type in motherhood. And we're going to see what comes up. And it was basically nothing. Um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, we'll just back it on up a little bit. We'll change it to mother. And then there was a little bit more. Uh, there were lots of things in Proverbs 31. There were a couple of instructions to, you know, fathers and mothers, this and that. Um, there were, you know, some places of, you know, this person was the mother of that person, and but still mostly nothing except in Proverbs 31, which is maybe like the traditional normal passage to speak out of on this particular Sunday. But when I read through it, I was like, so that doesn't make me feel good at all. <laughs> like, Proverbs 31 woman is good at everything, and I like sort of succeed at that one today. So we're going to just not, we're not going to go ahead and do the whole, uh, like self-imposed guilt trip because everybody else, you know, and, and moms, you know, um, everybody else can be like, oh, you're amazing. And you're like, but I forgot to change the laundry. Oh, and then we, we freak ourselves out and we, and we discount ourselves. So we're not, we're not going to do that today. Um, and also it's, today is a potentially hard day for people, right? Like not everybody has a great relationship with their mom. There's all kinds of things um, that we're that we're not going to go into. There's you know there's loss. There's uh, a difficulty in those things. There's 
all, all kinds of things. So if Mother's Day is hard for you, I just want you to know that we, we see you. And it's okay. It's okay if today is a hard day. So, um, so yeah, anyway, I'm going to be fine. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're going we're gonna to not talk about moms. We're going to not talk to moms because, again, that wouldn't be speaking to or about all of us. And when we're gathered corporately, I feel like we should be speaking to all of us. Um, so instead, we're going to, I was thinking through some things like, okay, as a mom, what do, what are the things that I say? What are the things that I've heard other moms say? Like, you know, and I thought through several things. The first one was put your shoes on. Like, I'm sh- and I'm sure there's a message in there, but it's not this message. Um, and it's time to go. Again, I'm sure there's a message in there, but it's not this message. Um, take that out of your mouth. Especially if you have little kids, right? Yeah, and they like turn, no, and they run away. Um, I'm sure there's a message in there, but that's not this message. Uh, go to bed. How was school? You'll shoot your eye out. I told you so. Uh, no, seriously, it's time to go. Put your shoes on. Um, maybe that's just me. I don't know. Maybe your kids uh, are good at that. My kids are good at going to bed. Your kids are good at putting on your shoes. We all have strengths. It's fine. Uh, my favorite, my personal favorite, um, and I wrote this down several years ago, and I'm glad that I did because it was in the, in the toddler years, so I would not have remembered it. Uh, my favorite thing that I've ever said as a mom is, take that banana out of the dryer. Um, no message in there, but I'm sure you can imagine what was going on. So, uh, so there's, there's that, but there's one thing that's pretty universal to all moms and all parents and all people in authority of any variety. And then, so if you're one of, you know, if you fall into a category like that, you've said this or some, you know, derivation of it, um, If you've been under authority of somebody, maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your grandma or your aunt or your grandfather or your dad or your boss or somebody, you've heard it. And we all swear up and down when I have kids or when I'm the boss or whatever, I'm never, ever going to say this. And it's a lie. So if you're a teenager and you're like, oh, I'm never going to use this phrase, you will just wait. It's fine. Your turn is coming. Um, It will. (laughs) It'll be okay. And that phrase is because I said so. Right? So, right, yes, thank you. Um, so it's, it's all, it's all, it's all been, it's all been out there. Um, and today's message, so it's called because I said so, but this isn't because I said so. It's not because Travis said so. It's not because uh, your spouse or your boss or your parent or whoever said so. Uh, we're going to look at some things that God looks at us and says, I need you to do this, or I need you to understand this, because I said so. Because they're hard things. Um, and going through this and preparing these things, um, it's some of these things are things that I struggle with, so thank you for letting me talk to myself in front of you. Um, but I figure, you know, if, if, these are, if these are things that I have to look at God and go, really? He goes, Yeah. But why? <laughs> and, and the only answer that he gives me is, because I said so. Like, okay, so he's not just saying it to me. All right, we'll, we'll do that. Um, so, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this phrase in a little bit of context, because it gets used in all kinds of ways. We were talking before the service about how, you know, what comes up in your mind, and there were, you know, like, oh, they just don't want to give us an answer. Like, yeah, sometimes. Um, or, you know, it's, 
out of frustration, like we've gone over this, we've done the dance, we're doing this, why? Because of these reasons, but why? Like, because I said so, like, ah, that's the end, no more. We're not taking any further questions, we're moving on, life is gonna be fine, do it my way, right? Um, and I just, as a, as a mom and as a teacher, because I use this on my students too, it, it gets phrased a little bit differently usually with, with school kids, but, um, you know, uh, it's not intended to be used as a cop-out in most cases. Um, you know, because when I, when I was a kid, whenever I heard the phrase, because I said so, I thought, oh, you just don't want to give me the real answer. Like... And maybe that's true. Maybe that is the case every once in a while. But the reason that it gets used is because it's an instruction that's based on trust instead of being based on understanding. And there's, and we're, we're going to keep coming back to that. Um, so if, we, if we're not in a relationship with somebody that we trust and they look at us and say, because I said so, like, <laughs> nope. I don't have to. I don't have to follow your instructions. I have no reason to do that. There's, you know, there's no relationship here, so I don't have to. Like, you can say whatever you want. I, I don't have to do that. But if we're, if we're in a relationship, like I'm in a relationship with my kids, or I'm in a relationship with my students, if I have to pull out the because I said so card, there's reasons, and there's a couple of reasons that it gets used. Um, one of my, one of my favorite recent ones that was fun. Um, we live about seven blocks from my kid's school and there's no buses on Friday, so I go pick them up. And they put so kindly or so inconsiderately, however you want to look at it on any, any given day, there's a Ma's custard between their school and my house now. Uh, so a couple of Fridays ago, we go and we, we walked over there to, to pick up the kids, Matthew and I, and they, you know, they come out and they're like, well, but why are we walking? I wanted to ride my scooter or I wanted to run home. Like, nope, not today. Well, but why? Because I said so. Just come with us. Let's do the thing. Um, but it was because we were going to go walk by Ma's Custard, right? Because it was nice outside. It was there, you know. So sometimes it's because the, the, the authority figure knows something that you don't know. And it's something cool. So go with it. It's all right. If they're, you know, if, they're, if it's not weird or, or dicey or whatever, like, it's okay. Um, sometimes there are situations that as adults or as, you know, the people who are, who are in charge of the others, um, you know, we see a situation and we're like, oh, uh-uh, nope, we got to get out. We need to make our exit. And nine-year-old, I don't care that you don't understand. I'm glad that you don't understand what's going on, but I know what's happening, so we're going to leave, and we may talk about it later, and we may not talk about it later, and you might remember when you're 19 and go, oh, wait, did that, was that the, you know, and you, you know, revisit those, those events, and they understand at that point, or whatever. Um, sometimes it's because, and we're not going to go deep into brain science, because that would be Anyway, that would be like the rabbit trail of all rabbit trails. Um, but sometimes, like I work with junior high kids, their brains developmentally are not adult brains. And so there come times when like I can give you all of the reasons that are real and legitimate and make sense to adults who have functioning frontal lobes and none of it's gonna work for you. So I need you to trust that what I'm telling you to do is what needs to happen because I just need you to trust me. Um, and I've told students on more than one occasion, 
Um, you know, but, but why? Like, this, is, this way is easier, especially with learning how to play string instruments. Like, we call them contraptions for about a year because they're, they're weird. They're contraption-y things. Um, and so, you know, but why do I have to hold it like this? Because, you know, you, if you do it wrong, it can do this and this and this, and they look at you like, I don't care. Like, I know you have no concept of these things. For now, do you trust that I know how to teach you how to do this? Yeah, okay. Okay, then I need you to do it the way that I'm asking you to do it. And it'll make sense in the middle of eighth grade when we get to this concept, when you do this thing that I'm not going to show you how to do right now because it won't work yet. Okay, fine. And then they get to the middle of eighth grade, and I go, okay, so do you remember back at the beginning of sixth grade when I said this, and I made you do it like this, and I asked you if you trusted me, today is the day that you find out why. And we do the thing, and they go, oh, that's it, that was easy. And I go, I know, you're welcome. <laughs> but if they've done it wrong, and if they haven't trusted that, and they haven't done it the right way, um, or you know, if they haven't done it the way that I've shown them how to do it, it's gonna create extra difficulties for them, which nobody, you know, nobody's interested in having extra difficulties. Like, life's hard enough. Let's not throw other things into the mix. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're moving along uh, with, those, with those kinds of things, you know, any of those reasons could be, could be a reason for somebody to say, because I said so, and you just have to go with it. Um, so, if God has asked us to do something that is difficult or that we don't understand the reasons, what we need to ask ourselves, because, because what he's asking us is, do you trust me? And if we, if we don't trust him, then all of these points are kind of moot. But if you are walking in a relationship with Jesus and you are saying to him on, you know, on the daily, Lord, I trust you, I'm looking to you for the answers. I'm following in your footsteps. And he says, okay, do this. And you go, but why? And he says, because I asked you to. The question is, do you trust me? And so we need to, we need to walk in that trust um, and, and demonstrate that we are trusting him. And if you're not sure if God is trustworthy, I want to give you a couple of resources. Um, there's Bibles. You can read you can, like, you can basically open to a random page in the Bible and you will find a story within not very far of a story of God being faithful and God keeping his promises and God saying, I said this and now this happened. You know, you could open to the very, very first chapter. Um, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light and there was light. Ta-da! He said, let there be dry land and there was dry land. Ta-da! And you can, you know, look through, like Matthew was talking about, um, you know, you can, you can look at the places where Israel was far outnumbered, and he said, oh, be still, this is my fight. And they said, okay. And they won, because it was God's fight. Um, so you can, you can look in the scriptures. You can also ask, I've got story after story in my own life that I can tell you about how God has been faithful to me and my family. Um, any number of people, again, I'm sure that you could probably reach out your hands and touch somebody, and that person could give you at least one story of how God has been faithful in their lives. So if you're not sure, ask. Look it up. You know, there's, there's lots of evidence um, out there and lots of stories that people could give you uh, that, we're, that we're not going to go into right now. Um, but, 
Yeah, so anyway, the things that God, that, that God laid on my heart for, for us to talk about today. The first one is, it's too much for you, but it's not too much for me. So, sorry, the pollen count's high. Ask how I know. But yeah, so um, as Christians, one of the phrases that we've used, and I've been guilty of this too, so um, on behalf of myself and you know, Christians at large, if you've ever heard the phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle, um, that's a load of malarkey. That's the, that's the nicest phrase that I can come up with for it. Um, and the Bible, like, Scripture says that, too. Um, it's not just that, like, oh, that seems like a pretty heartless thing to say. It's, if, if someone has told you that, they're not trying to be mean. They're not trying to belittle. They're trying to, they're trying to help you out. But if somebody says that to you in the future, or if you're tempted to say, someone, or to say that to someone in the future, I want you to pause, take a breath, and say, it is too much for us. It is, but it's not too much for him. He's bigger than us. He knows more things. He has a wild, right? Yes, yeah. And he has a wildly different experience with creation than we do because he made it. He, he's, the one who, he's the one who works all the things. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to look at an example from, from Paul's life. And just, just so that we're we're real sure. Uh, we're going to take some take some encouragement from the scripture uh, in Second Timothy chapters three or chapter three verses sixteen and seventeen. It says, "All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work." And so, since these these scriptures have been canonized into into our Bible that we that we believe is the holy inspired word of God, even if it's Paul's experience speaking to us or Peter's experience speaking to us, we're, we're going to take that as the Holy Spirit speaking through them to, to us for today. Um, so uh, we're going to look in 2 Corinthians, and if you're not familiar with who the, the Apostle Paul was, um, he was, a, he was a big deal guy before his name got changed, and then he turned into another big deal guy after his name was changed. Um, and he wrote a lot about his, uh, about his own experiences in the letters to the, the churches in the New Testament. He wrote half or more of the New Testament. Um, and so our evidence that God is telling us it's too big for you, but it's not too big for me, is in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 5 through 10. Um, and this is Paul speaking. And he says, I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say because of these surpassingly great revelations. Paul came from the right family. He had the right education. He had the right job. He was doing the stuff. Um, he, was, he was a big deal. Um, and Jesus, he had this miraculous uh, experience with Jesus and totally changed course for him. So what he's what he's saying here is true. Like I absolutely could brag about everything and I could tell you about how great I am because I was, um, and it would it would be correct. But I'm not going to do that because this the story is not about me. Um, so moving on, it says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. 
Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, so these are Jesus' words now, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I take delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong." Um, and it goes back to what Matthew was talking about um, at the end of at the end of the worship this morning, um, when it's obviously not us. It can't. It can only be God, and so God is not afraid to put us in situations that absolutely are too much for us. And if you're in one of those situations today, take heart. He sees you. He knows where you're at. And he's walking with you through it. So don't be afraid to cry out to him and say, God, I can't do this. This is too much. And he's going to say, uh-huh, let's do the thing. And he's going to do the thing. I don't know what the thing is that, that you're needing or that you're, um, that you're in the middle of. But it's, it's okay to struggle with those things. Because, again, he sees us and he knows where we are. And he says, I'm with you. Let my grace, let my strength be enough for you. So, all right. All right, our second one that he, that he says to us, and this is, this is for, I'm talking to myself all as well. Um, number two is stop trying to earn forgiveness and grace. Because we can't. We really, really can't. Uh, Romans 6.23 says that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that we all know what wages are because we're mostly adults in this room. But when I teach the sixth graders, they don't know what wages are. They're 11. <laughs> um, and so we talk about how, you know, you go to work and you, and you punch in and you, you know, get paid however much you get paid. Um, and those are your wages. That's what you get in return for your work. So in return for our work, we receive death. Great. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, and I've got some, some little, little uh, sub points to this one because I, I had to make it really clear for myself so that I'm not you know, going off the rails and kind of you know, getting sideways with things. Um, if, you, if you pay for a gift, it's no longer a gift. It's a purchase. Right? If somebody comes to your house because it's your birthday, and they say, happy birthday, and they give you, you know, whatever it is, and you go, oh, great, how much do I owe you for this? No, are you kidding? That's, that's not how it works. Um, so we, we have to remember that it's, it's, not a, it's, it's not a purchase. We can't, we can't pay for it. Um, and it's just like, you know, it's, I, I compared it to dinner. Like, you don't make your kids earn their supper, Right? They live in your house. It's supper time. Here you go. Here's the, here's the food. Um, so God doesn't make us earn forgiveness because he knows that we can't. Um, and we can't purchase ourselves. The price for us was so high that we can give everything that we are. We can do all the good things. We can refrain from all the bad things. We can follow all the directions. We can die for our own sins. And God goes, you're short. You, you can't pay for this. So we are too valuable. We are too expensive to pay our own price. Christ had to pay it. Um, and that, 
Oh, it gives me, gives me goosebumps. Um, if that doesn't sound like good news to you, take my word for it. It is. It is it's, the, it's the best news ever that, that we're so expensive that Jesus, had to pay our, that Jesus had to pay our price, and he did. And he, he wasn't afraid. Well, he was a little afraid. But that's okay. <laughs> but he, he did it anyway. Um, and we can't, we, can't purchase, we can't purchase salvation. It's a gift from God. So I, it's, you know, kind of three ways to say the same thing, but I, I really want it to sink in and, and let that be, be in our spirits um, and to let us know that we, you know, we can't, we can't bring anything to, to make it better. We can't bring anything to make us more saved. We can't do anything that makes us less saved. That's God's job, and he's, he's got it taken care of. Um, so now we're going to look at uh, Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. Um, Yeah, so this is, this is from Paul um, <clears throat> to the church at Ephesus. And he's been talking about, you know, all of these things that had been going on. And when we pick it up in chapter 2, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us. So all of this stuff, we're dead in our sins. He's not saying we're lost. He's not saying we were not so great of people. We were dead in our sins. Because um, again, wages of sin, death. So there you go. We were already there. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that the coming ages he, would, he might be able to show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I want to read verses 8 and 9 in the New International Reader's Version, which is the one that we use in kids' church. Um, when I'm back on Sunday mornings in kids' church, I usually teach the first graders, and so you have to make it you know, really, really plain. Because if I read that to a bunch of first graders, they'd be like, what? <laughs> and be bouncing things off the walls because it's not going to make a lot of sense to them. So in the, in the New International Reader's Version, verses 8 and 9 say, God's grace has saved you because of your faith in Christ. Your salvation doesn't come from anything you do. It is God's gift. It is not based on anything you have done. No one can brag about earning it. So I, and I don't know how to make it any more clear than that. It's not, it's not about us or anything that we do. Um, and so on, on, that, on, the same, on the same side of the same coin, I suppose, um, not only do we need to stop trying to earn forgiveness and grace, we need to stop acting like other people need to. Um, and that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm talking to myself because I, I know that I, you know, sometimes get a little bit of an attitude like, oh, well, I've never done that. Like, okay, <laughs> so what? <laughs> like, I, I, I don't get to hold people to a standard that God doesn't hold them to. 
God says, you come to me and you ask for forgiveness, it's yours. And because he says that to me, he says that to everyone. And so if that's, if, you, if you've been in a place of struggling with, oh, this person, you know, is so far gone, they've really got to, they've really got to clean their act up before they get, you know, come here. That's not it. That's not it. Because if you were saved by grace, they can be saved by grace too. Um, yeah. And yeah. And one of the, like, like I said, one of the things that God never says is, Clean your act up before you, before you come here. And we have some examples from Jesus. Um, in Luke chapter 15, it talks about, he talks about the prodigal son. Um, and so the real brief version of the story is the youngest son comes to the father and says, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance. And father goes, okay, and gives him his inheritance. And I'm sure tells him, make good choices, best of luck. Oh, gosh. <laughs> And kid goes off, lives his life, squanders everything, loses it all. Um, and then the next part of the story, I feel like as people who didn't grow up in like kosher Jewish situations, um, if you did, cool, I have many questions for you. Um, but we, we don't understand totally the concept of where he ended up because Jesus tells us that he ended up living in a pigsty with pigs feeding the pigs wishing he could eat the pig's food. Um, pigs were unclean uh, in, the, in kosher stuff. And so like we, I, I tried to think of things. I looked stuff up, and I just couldn't find anything that really you know, like would get to the, to the, to the core of, of what that means. But I've been to pig farms. It's not hard to find those around here. Um, and if you've ever raised pigs, I'm sure you're aware of all of the smells and all of the excitement that can go along with that. Um, so, you know, here, here he is, kids sitting in pig slop and pig waste and all of that excitement. Um, and he thinks, you know, the servants in my father's house have it better than this. Like, they at least get to eat. And it's not, you know, whatever the pigs dropped out of their mouths. And they had a place to sleep that's not cold and surrounded by pigs. So maybe he'll, maybe he'll take me back as, as a servant. It's worth a shot. So it's not like he you know, got up and took a shower and got a manicure and cleaned off his feet. He just gets up and he starts walking home. And Jesus tells us that while he was still a long way off, a long way off. So the father's out wherever he is on his property. And I, I just imagine that he's just always looking toward that road. You know, oh, is he going to come home? That's, where, that's how he left. I wonder if he's coming back. When he was still a long way off, the father sees him and he runs to him. And he doesn't run up to him and go, oh, hi, uh, let's get you a shower. <laughs> oh, we got we to gotta fix this situation before I continue to deal with you. No, he runs up to him covered in all of the pig excitement and throws his arms around him and welcomes him back. So Jesus himself gives us, gives us this story of, of how the Father welcomes us back when we, when we come back to him. Um, and then the, the story that's, that's real life in Scripture that happened with Jesus and another person. There was a woman caught in adultery. Um, the story's in John 8, and, you know, the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus and, you know, find him guilty on some kind, of, some kind of charge. And they bring this woman who was caught in adultery, and they say, Jesus, the law of Moses says we're supposed to stone women like this. And Jesus says, you're correct. 
That is absolutely right. So here's what we're going to do. Whoever is sinless, you cast the first stone. And he bends down and writes in the dirt. I have no idea what he wrote in the dirt. I have all kinds of fun ideas. Um, maybe it's because I teach middle school kids. Um, but, you know, he stoops down and writes in the dirt. And all these, all these guys who are ready to throw rocks at this woman until she died, they drop their stones and they leave. And eventually Jesus looks up and it's just him and the woman. And he says, where are your accusers? And she says, there are none. He goes, Okay. Neither do I condemn you. But he doesn't stop there. So, you know, the prodigal son had been coming home looking at least, you know, if not for forgiveness, then at least for a place in the house somewhere. This woman was dragged in front of him. She, wasn't too, she was coming knowing that she was probably going to die. And he, he looks at her and says, neither do I condemn you. And the next thing that he says is not, go and do whatever you feel like is right with your life. He looks at her and he says, go and sin no more. He, he looks at her and he says, you weren't even looking for forgiveness, but here it is. Now walk in it. Behave like you've been forgiven because she knew. There was no doubt in her mind. She knew exactly what was coming. And so she, like, I can't even imagine relief like that. But that's, that's what he offers us. He says, you, did, you didn't do anything to earn this. You should, by, by all rights, by the letter of the law, you should have died right now, right in front of me. But no, that's not, that's not how we're doing it today. Um, so he, you know, he tells us, he tells us too, go and sin no more. Behave like you are no longer bound to that. Um, going, going along with the stop trying to earn is don't be stingy with forgiveness and grace. Right? We like to, because it's, it's very easy for us, um, especially if we've been in a relationship with Jesus for a long time, it's really easy for us to be like, oh, well, I've been, I've been forgiven of so many things, and then the world acts like the world, and we get all, you know, oh, no, I can never forgive that. Like, uh, no, incorrect. Um, when when the, the Lord was talking to me about this particular point, I, I, <laughs> I felt like, it's kind of like frosting in little kids, you know? You give little kids frosting on their first birthday, you know, this big old cake with probably more frosting than cake because they're not, maybe they're going to eat it, I don't know. Um, do we have the pictures that are up there? Yes. So, you know, when you, when you give a kid frosting on their, on their first birthday, you know that mess is going to be everywhere. And if it's not, you like encourage them like, it's okay. Like some kids are like not sure about it. My kids were all over it. Um, so we're, we're called to, call, to spread forgiveness around like a one-year-old with frosting, right? And I like this picture here because you can see frosting on every single face of all three of those boys. Like, I don't know what happened. To, I, don't, I don't know what's going on exactly. I mean, they're pushing their face into cake, but um, it's, it should be everywhere. It should be on everywhere, everything that you touch. You know, when you go to sell the high chair after you're done using it um, and you're cleaning it up so that whoever buys it doesn't go, oh my gosh, what happened? Um, and you're like, oh, 1994 frosting, it's fine. Um, and it's everywhere. It's going to be behind their ears. It's, it's everywhere. We want to find evidence of forgiveness and grace everywhere in our life. Um, and... It's, it's something that can be hard for us 
because we, it's, it's an easy thing for us to go, but they did that. And so I know I, I'm going to behave like this. That's what the world says. And we don't have to follow those rules anymore, right? Jesus set us free. And if the son has set you free, you are free indeed. And it's not just about, yeah, it's not just about I get to go to heaven when I die. Like, that's great. Yes, that is excellent news, and I'm not downplaying that. But we don't have to wait to live in freedom until we get to heaven. We can live in freedom now. We don't have to be bound to unforgiveness or to bitterness or to um, revenge. We don't, have to, we don't have to be bound to any of those things at all. Because Jesus said, I took all that. I dealt with that. I, you know, all of, all of those things... Those are on me now. You forgive because I forgave you. Um, and Travis, we're not, we're not going to read through the whole story of the parable of the unmerciful servant. Travis talked about that last week, and I told him, I was like, I already wrote my stuff, so thanks for preaching half of my message. Um, but, you know, Jesus in the parable of the unmerciful servant, you know, this guy goes and he has this huge debt that there's no chance that he can pay. It's like $5 billion or something. Um, and then is forgiven of, of the debt and goes out and sees somebody who owes him like, I don't know, a hundred bucks maybe and completely loses it on the guy. You've got to pay it back, you know, be honest and all of those things. And, and he gets called out for it. Like, hey, are you kidding me? The things that I forgave you for, you, you can't let go of this. Ah, and, and it can be really easy for us to try and um, like quantify sin, right? Because we're, because we're on this side of the world. We're not, we're not God who, who sees sin as sin as sin as sin. Um, you know, a white lie and killing somebody feel pretty far removed from us, uh, you know, for, for us. Because, you know, like, oh, yeah, I could forgive somebody who, who told a white lie. I don't know. I mean, like, Somebody murders somebody that I love. I don't know how that would go. I would really like to not find out. Um, so, you know, but, but all of it is, is sin in God's eyes. And all of it, and this is, this is a hard thing. Um, so, yeah, all of, all of our sins, no matter how small, are what made Jesus die. So if the things that I have done, even if, if, even if I look at them and go, oh, it's not that bad. Like, really? Because Jesus had to die for those things. So if Jesus, if God has to look through the crucifixion to say, I forgive you, I can look through whatever. Because none of it's that bad. So if, if, that's a hard, if that's a hard thing for you, or if you find yourself holding on to things because you just can't let it go, Find somebody who, who does. And I'm going to tell you, it's God. If you need help doing something, you find somebody who knows how to do it. If I'm going to build a bookshelf, I don't know how to do it. I don't just go buy wood and nails and go, mm, this probably is fine. Like, no, it's not going to go well. I find somebody who knows how to do it. If you need to forgive somebody and you're not sure how, pray about it. Because God's not going to go, hmm, do you deserve this information? I'm not really sure if you're ready for this yet. He's going to go, no, you do this. You do this. And it might look different in different situations. Um, 
you know, it, and there's, you know, we have the option of forgiving people that we don't have to interact with anymore or that we don't get to interact with anymore. Um, we can forgive people who have passed. We can forgive people who have moved to the other side of the planet. We can forgive, we can forgive any, any, anybody. Um, and it's, it's going to be going to be less expensive than it was for God to forgive us. So I just want you to encourage, I want to encourage you that if, if you're having a hard time forgiving anybody for anything, ask God to help you because he absolutely will. He is, he is in the business of restoring things. And that's not just relationships. It's not just, you know, making things right. He's about restoring our hearts and he's about restoring the relationship between us and him. Because if we've got that right, there's lots of other things that'll line up, even if we don't understand how or when. Um, our last one is be different from the world. And this one gets, gets a little dicey and gets a little hard sometimes. Um, but like I, like I was saying before, when we're, when we're in a relationship with Jesus, if he's set us free, we don't have to follow their rules anymore. We don't, like I, like I said, we don't have to be bound to the unforgiveness and the things about revenge or bitterness or any of those things that just eat you away. He says, no, 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 no. Come out from that. Come out from that. Be different than the world. Because what the world wants you to, to, to think is, oh, well, you know, this happened and so naturally this. Well, yeah, but we don't have to naturally that. We can supernaturally this other thing. So because the, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And so we, yeah, we don't have to, we don't have to be bound to those. Um, and we're going to look at First uh, Peter uh, chapters 1 and 2 for, for this one. And this is, this, uh, these were written by Peter, like Peter, 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 uh, who denied Christ who walked, you know, was a disciple, who walked on the water, who spoke on the day of Pentecost, that, that Peter. Um, and one of the cool things that I like about this particular passage is that a lot of times in the Bible we'll look at um, passages that were, you know, written in the Old Testament, and they were written to the Jewish people, or, you know, oh, you, you're God's people, and so this, that, and the other thing. And so we sort of latch on to those because, yes, we're God's people, but the intended audience was maybe not us here. It is absolutely us because he's, he's writing to the church that believes in Jesus. So he's writing to us. These are not words that we're borrowing from somebody else. These are, these are for us. Um, and in first Peter chapter two, verses nine and 10, it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Um, and yeah, so that's that's where we're where we're gonna kind of kind of hinge on that. So that's gonna be our our central thing. So around this are instructions that Peter's giving to this church that's coming out of all of the, the rules and things of Judaism. Um, 
And so we're going we're gonna to go through these a little, a little quickly. Uh, so starting in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 22, um, it says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. So we weren't receiving these instructions before when we were living in those wages of our sin, when we were living in death. Now we're living in life. And so God says, I'm holy. You get to be holy too. Do you know how? No, trust me. Do you trust me? Are you going to do things because I said so? All right, let's, let's do the things. Um, Uh, Going to verse 17 says, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live your time here as foreigners in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. And like I said earlier, nothing so cheap or common as silver or gold or platinum or diamonds or property or whatever. None of that purchased us. It was Jesus' blood and there was no other way. Um, uh, in verse 19, but we were bought with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Though you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him and your faith and your hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. The Bible talks about how they will know we love Jesus by the way we love each other. And if you're in a place where you can't or you won't live a life of love toward, especially toward, toward people who are also believers, I would encourage you to, to pray about that. Ask God to help you to work through those things that are keeping you from demonstrating the love that God has for us because we love here first and there because we can love here first. If we can't love each other, we can't love them. And if we can't love them, what's, what's the appeal? What, what brings them in and says, oh, this is a good thing? So, yeah, so if, if you want to make sure that you're doing the things, ask God to help you live in love toward other people. We're going to skip down to chapter 2. It says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Um, And I like the way, again, the New International Reader's Version, the one that's for for kids. um, It says, So get rid of every kind of evil and stop telling lies. Don't pretend to be something you're not. Stop wanting what others have and don't speak against one another. Feels pretty pretty self-explanatory to me. Tell the truth. Don't deal with evil things. Don't lie, don't envy, say nice things about people. Um, Yeah, moving on. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And this is an encouragement for each of us to get into our own word on our own time. Because if we, if we know that, oh, the things that the Lord would have me know and have me do and have me say, they're in, they're in the Bible, then open it. Read it. You can, you can do it. There's 20 gajillion translations. You can open, you know, I use BibleGateway.com a decent amount when I'm, if I'm on the computer. And you can just switch between different, different versions so that you can find one that will make sense to you. Um, 
And I, like I said, maybe it's because I teach kids, but I, I have found myself liking the ones that are at a little bit lower reading level because I don't have to wonder. Like, I don't have to look up, like, what does it mean by this? Oh, it says you can't brag about it. All right, I got it. <laughs> so, um, so don't be afraid to look for something that will be able to meet you where you're at so that you can hear what the Lord is saying to you because I can get it wrong. Travis can get it wrong. Anybody who stands, any person who stands up here can get it wrong, but the word of God will not fail you. So you can, you can look, it, look it up, read it for yourself. Um, and and we, we can. God said right here, you can do this, so do it. Um, skipping down to verse 9, it says, but you are a chosen people. So he's been giving us all of these things because we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Um, and yeah, I, it's, it's good news. It's good news. Um, yeah, I'm doing okay. All right. Um, <laughs> skipping down, sorry. I'm used to like, oh, the bell's going to ring. No bell here. Um, all right, so skipping down to verse 11. Um, it says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Again, we don't have to be bound to those things. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the uh, uh, supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Um, and I'm not here to tell you how to live out your life as far as politics go. Um, but if there's, if there's somebody who is in a public office, because of the way that our government in, in this country works, if there's somebody who's in a public office that you disagree with or that you really just, they grate on you, if you can't say something nice about the person, just don't say, just don't say it. It's okay. You can disagree with them. I can disagree with them. But we, we are called to respect the office that they hold. And God knows who they are. It's not like God goes, oh my goodness, what? Who is this person? He knows who they are. He knows how they got into that position. And we are called by God in the scripture to respect the office. And I'm just going to leave that right there because I know there's an election coming up. So anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for, it is by, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people because people are going to talk. Right? They'll say things, and they'll say ignorant things, and just move on, because it's not actually our job to deal with. Uh, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. And I'm going to read that one more time, where it says, live as free people. Don't use your freedom to cover up evil. The freedom that we've been given in Christ because of his death on the cross is not something that we are in a, in a place to be flippant about. We don't get to say, well, it's okay if I do this sin because um, it'll, you know, we'll do it and it'll be fine because I'll just go back to Jesus and I'll say, oh, Jesus, please forgive me of this sin and he'll forgive me. Oh, that's, that's not, not how it works. Will he forgive you? Yeah. But, like, 
that I, I, I want you to, to understand that the heaviness of that kind of attitude, because that's like standing at the foot of Jesus, uh, Jesus as he's on the cross and saying, hey, thanks for taking care of that for me. I'll be, I'll be back in a minute. Just got to go take care of whatever, you know, thing it is. And I, please, if you're, if you're in a place like that, that's not, that's not what it's intended for. So just don't, don't find yourself in a place of saying, it's okay if I sin because Jesus is going to take care of it. Are we going to sin? Yes, absolutely. Are we all of a sudden made perfect and now we can do no wrong? No, not at all. But he, he didn't set us free so that we could play with bondage. It's, it's not a toy. So we need to, we need to make sure that we're not being um, flippant or passive about what he did for us. Because it's, it's a heavy thing. It's a big thing. He, he didn't go into it lightly. Um, so, um, yeah, so anyway, don't be, don't be flippant about that. Uh, verse 17 says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Um, and we're, we're going to, instead of talking about slaves and masters, we're going to talk about employees and employers. If you're an employee, you need to respect your boss. I hope you have a good boss. I really do. Um, I've had some great bosses. I've had some bosses with whom I struggled. Um, but it's, it's our job to respect your boss. If you're the boss, please be a good boss. Please be the boss that it's easy to follow because it's obvious that you the that the best interest of your employees is on your heart. Um, so, you know, it, it goes two ways. Um, but make sure that you're, that you're doing the things that they've asked you to do. And in, in that, um, same, yeah, same coin, other side. If, they, if they're asking you, you know, there's another scripture that talks about we should obey the law of God instead of the law of men. If you're in a situation where your boss as, is asking you to do something that is directly contrary to something that Jesus says, no, do this. Follow Jesus. And he, there, there are other scriptures that we're, that we're not going to get into today, but there are other scriptures that talk about how if we're following God instead of following men, not because we're going, oh yeah, we'll take that. Because mm. um, that's not going to go well. That's on us. If we, if we have an attitude like that, that's on us. If we say, I must respectfully decline because of my faith, that's, you know, that's between them and God, and God promises that he will take care of that, and we might know how it works out, and we might not, and all of that's fine. But if we, if we just did that, like if we, as a, as a community of Christians, were all good employees all the time, like how, how much of an impact would that have? Just that one thing. So, um, yeah, so I want you to, I, I want to encourage you to, to be a good employee, and be a good employer, because we're called to in the scripture. Um, and, yeah, oh, I lost my spot. Hold on, sorry. Yeah, so with, with all of these things, if we're living differently from the world, there's, you know, they'll see it. They'll see that there's something different. If we're living exactly the same as the world, and we're falling into the same patterns, there's no attraction to Christ. And we are called to be beacons of hope and of light and of love that will draw people 
to, to Jesus. And so if we, can, if we can set ourselves apart, if we can behave in a way that brings God glory, then Jesus says, I, I will draw all men into myself. And so it's not always about, you know, going out and being really boisterous and, and things. Sometimes it's, I, you know, why do you, why do you behave that way? Why do you treat this hard boss why do you treat them so well? Like, it's so easy to just, you know, go in the break room and, oh my gosh, rah, 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 rah. Well, because God told me to respect the authority that I'm under. And sometimes that's it. You know, sometimes that's all you need to say, and they, you know, they'll like, oh, okay, well, we were told by punk music in the 80s to, you know, <laughs> do all of the things that punk music said to do in the 80s. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if we, can, if we can love people and if we can live in respect of the things that we've, we've been entrusted with and things like that, Jesus, Jesus looks at that and he honors that. Um, and sometimes they're absolutely hard, but he, he says, I need you to do this because that's what I told you to do. Because he understands things that we don't understand and he sees things that we don't see and he knows people that we don't know. And he, he all, all of the things that I, that I told you before at the beginning about why, as a parent or as a teacher, I've used the phrase because I said so, he goes, uh-huh, now you got to listen to me too. Like, right. Okay. So because he said so, let's, let's do the things. So our, our, hard, our hard instructions are to, to, to trust that it's, it's too big for us, but it's not too big for him. And to stop trying to earn forgiveness and grace and to give it out freely, to spread that stuff everywhere. Don't be stingy with it. And, and to be different from the world. And if we can do those things, even if we don't understand, even if they're really hard, and even if we don't, if we don't want to, sometimes I don't want to do these things because it's easier to just revert back into, well, but this is how I, this is how I want to behave. This is easier for me. That doesn't mean that it's, that doesn't mean that it's okay. That doesn't mean that that's not going to create problems for us later. So let's, let's really work on listening to the word of the Lord and doing the things that he tells us to do because it's what he's asking us to do. So I would, I would encourage you to trust God because again, it's, it's an exercise in trust. Do we trust that he has our best interests at heart? Yes. And if you don't, find out. Ask people, read your Bible. But yeah, let's, let's trust God that he's that he's asking us to do the things that he would have us do because he is God and we are not. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.